a podcast where we advocate that compassion and connection save lives. They also make life pretty cool. I'm your host, Julie Lee. I see you. Let's be friends. Welcome to ICU episode four, Walking With My Daughter. Hey everybody, excited to have you. I start every episode with a review from the last episode. So today's podcast review comes from Kandra. She said, Julie, thank you so much for your third podcast. I've loved all of your podcasts, but your third one about being seen as a mother really hit me hard. That is exactly what I needed to hear. We recently adopted our little boy and I get to be a stay-at-home mom with him, which is the greatest thing. By listening to your podcast, I was able to realize those moments that I have been seen as his mother and how important the work that I am doing is. It was nice to hear all the emotions that I am feeling are perfectly normal. Even though I have not had poop in my hair yet, I have been pooped on in the middle of the night though. We have been through many ups and downs, but they have all passed and have been worth it. I look at my little boy every night as he's sleeping and think how blessed I am to be his mother and to go through those ups and downs with him. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow, thank you, Kandra. I love that, and I hope you don't get poop in your hair. I am super excited. Our guest today is actually... Remember I told you that maybe a few of my family members would be on here, but not every time? Well, today I am in Orange County, California, and so I had to take the opportunity to interview my awesome sister about her journey with her daughter having a life-threatening illness. Jenny, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. I'm excited to be here. We're excited to have you. So first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself, Jen. I am the oldest in our family. I guess Julie didn't mention that part. (laughs) So I have many memories of holding Julie as a baby, um, and I babysat a lot. Um, There's Mm -hmm. 10 years between Julie and I, so that's kind of fun. And um, I really look up to her, actually. She's more like my older sister, probably. Oh, stop. (laughs) Quit it. I also married someone very good-looking, if anyone listened to the (laughs) podcast previous to this. So I also think my husband is, you know, uh, number 10. Okay, now I feel like I need to say my husband is also good looking to have the record straight. Okay, Rob, I think you're incredibly good looking and I love you. We all married well. We'll just leave it at that. Um, I have four amazing kids. Um, I have two boys and two girls. Their ages 14, 13, and a 10-year-old and a 9-year-old. I find it a great blessing that I get to stay home with my kids. I like to cook with my girls and my boys are getting to the age where they can share a lot of humor with me and so we'll share movie quotes and go back and forth and they like to make me laugh. They are so funny. They do the best impression of Napoleon Dynamite ever. Right. <laughs> and the, the dance. <laughs> and the da- yeah, you can't forget the dance in Napoleon Dynamite. It's amazing. So my husband, he does construction, so that's moved our family around a lot. And so, yes, we're here in Orange County and we're liking it. It's a beautiful place to live. And it's right by Disneyland, which is amazing. Yes. <laughs> Added benefits to visiting. Yes. <laughs> Will you tell us a little bit about your sweet daughter, Marin? Yeah, so Marin is my third child. Um, she's my oldest girl. She is the one that is 10 years old. She'll be turning 11 in not too long. And she's in fifth grade. So Marin was born with a rare genetic disorder called Loys-Dietz syndrome. She was born with that disorder, but she wasn't diagnosed until she was three and a half years old. That was back in 2012. 
uh, it was a long process to get that diagnosis. We went to many doctors. Um, I'm sure many of you that are listening can understand what it's like to have a child with a rare illness going through doctor after doctor and searching and searching. And as a mom, you just know when something's not right. Her head shape wasn't forming right, and so we started with doctors about that. She wore a helmet for six months. She was diagnosed with failure to thrive. We met with a cardiologist. She had a PDA closure, so she had heart surgery. We went to a lot of GI doctors, and that's kind of how things began. Once getting a diagnosis, once I pushed for the diagnosis, I um, had done a lot of research on the Internet, which they tell you not to do, but in this case, I was desperate. <laughs> yeah, we all do it. So um, I helped find a diagnosis and went to my geneticist and we did some testing, some genetic testing and found out what it was. And at that point we started to get on the right track. I saw a video online on the Lois Dietz Foundation website and it was with Dr. Dietz himself, one of the men that, one of the doctors that had come up with this disorder. It was very touching to watch this video and he talked about the moms being mama bears. In that moment, I just knew that he understood what us as mothers of these children felt like and he was ready to listen and to see us. Jen, can you tell us a little bit more about what Louise Dietz syndrome is? Because it's really rare and I know that there's not as much awareness out there as there could be. Yeah, Lois Dietz syndrome is a connective tissue disorder. You may have heard of Marfan syndrome or Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. It's similar to those. Lois Dietz syndrome, it affects the whole body. It affects all the tissue in your body. The main things that you are concerned about or watch more closely is the heart and you watch the valves there and the blood vessels. You watch for aneurysms and different things like that. When you get an MRI, you know, you watch all the vessels in the brain and the torso area. It can affect your feet, your eyes, the, your muscle. It makes you weaker. You can dislocate things. There's a lot to it. I know as a Lloyd's Dietz Foundation group, we would like to get the word out about what it actually is and help people to get the right di diagnosis that they need. Yeah. Well, and how has it affected Marin? Marin has had different symptoms throughout her life. So she had heart surgery. She had failure to thrive, which she doesn't struggle with now, but we went through a lot for that. She's had migraines every day and been, been on medication for that. She's had acid reflux. She has fluffy and needs orthotics for that. She bruises easily. She, she has to watch how much exercise, right? She has to right. watch. I guess that's a big one. How much energy she outputs. Yeah. No competitive sports, uh, not wearing herself out to the point of exhaustion. Is it hard for her? Sometimes. It is hard. It is hard for her. She's becoming really strong. I've been really impressed the last little while as we go to doctor's appointments. She has kind of taken over the role and explaining exactly to the doctor what's going on. And it's very interesting to watch your kid change into more of like an adult and be able to talk for herself. But she also still gets nervous, you know, at school and different places. She doesn't want to be the one that's different. So right. that is hard. Which is understandable mm -hmm. for sure. So you talked about Dr. Dietz kind of seeing you, and I love that term mama bear because that's exactly what I would say about Jenny. If I was going to, if I was going to give you a better introduction, Jenny is like mama bear about her babies and it's awesome. Are there other people that have seen you as you've been a parent of a child with a life-threatening disease? How have other people kind of seen you through this, connected with you, showed compassion? 
because of the lack of knowledge, a lot of times I go to doctor's appointments and they tell me that they have no idea what, I, what that disorder is or what it's all about. And because of that, that can make someone feel really alone, um, especially a mom that's in charge of her daughter's medical care and you know that it's something that can be life-threatening. It feels scary. As I started going on this journey, I found the Facebook page for the Lois Dietz group and that was a way to connect with parents all over the world that have children with Lois Dietz syndrome. The year that I first got on that um, Facebook page, I connected with a lady that is from Arkansas. She'll know who she is. <laughs> and she was amazing. Her daughter had just been diagnosed also. And so we quickly exchanged phone numbers and were able to start talking through that, through texting, really our experiences to each other. I, at the time, I did kind of wonder, who is this person that I'm talking to across the United States? You know, um, you just kind of wonder... So we sent each other Christmas cards that year and I remember getting that Christmas card in the mail and I looked at the picture and I actually started crying because her family was beautiful and it was really great to see a picture of this person I had been texting and realized that they were somebody normal like us. They were just doing the same thing that we were doing. They were trying to fight for their daughter's life also. Also through the Facebook page, there was a grandma that um, contacted me and told me that I had to meet her granddaughter. She told me that her granddaughter look just like my Marin. They have a conference for Lloyd's Deeds every two years. My husband and I and Marin were able to go out to the next conference that was out in Maryland. Um, Baltimore, Maryland is where it's held. And we walked up to attend the conference and to register. And lo and behold, there was this little girl standing there that had blonde hair and blue eyes, just like my daughter. I saw her and I knew that it was the little girl I had heard about. I looked up at the mom that was pushing her in a stroller and the mom and I connected eyes and she just said, we need to talk. She mouthed that to me. <laughs> I was just um, blown away. You know, it was an interesting feeling to be there at that conference because I looked around at the kids around me and I never thought of my daughter having a specific look. I always thought of her as being part of our family and probably looking like us. But when I walked into that conference and looked around at those other kids, there was a look about them that looked just like my child and it was interesting because it was like another family it was kind of like we reconnected with another family that we hadn't known before mm -hmm. and it was kind of scary and also exciting in the same time <laughs> that's really cool i'd never thought about that so this little girl, I ended up connecting with her mom at the conference and we were going through many of the same things, similar things. And so was, later on, I was able to text her back and forth in moments of crisis at home when I was trying to figure things out with Marin and she helped guide me through things and we created a great friendship that way. And this little girl, she really does look exactly like Marin. Jenny sent me a picture and I was just blown away. I couldn't believe it. She's like her twin. It's crazy. She's adorable. She's so <laughs> So cute. Yeah, they both are so cute. She's just like a smaller version of Marin, right? She's a little bit younger than Marin. Yeah, she's younger she's like than slightly Marin. shorter than Marin. She's yeah. so cute. And her mom's amazing also. So then we went on to um, Marin has MRIs done of her whole body every two years along with specialist appointments and she was sedated for them when she was younger. Uh, they can't do an MRI on a tiny little kid because they'll move too much. Uh, usually they do that through sedation. But Marin had gotten older and she was able to do her first MRI without sedation. So the time was coming when we were going to need to do that and I was anxious about it as was Marin. 
So through this Facebook page, I ended up reaching out and asking how people helped their children through this MRI. I had heard it would be long and she would have an IV, of course. Um, she needed to have contrast. And so this mom reached out to me and she told me that her son, who did MRIs without sedation, would love to talk to Marin and help her ease her um, stress. We set up a time to do FaceTime. Uh, this little boy, he had made a little book all about his experience when he did his MRI without contrast or without sedation. This mom, you know, we got, we had never seen each other before. We hadn't been to a conference before together. And so we did FaceTime and, you know, automatically we were connected. We said hi to each other. This little boy was sitting there on the couch. He had his book already and Marin was sitting there and she said hi, you know, and so then he talked to her all about it. He read the book to her and she sat there and listened. And then he talked to her about exactly what she needed to do for things to go well and that she didn't need to be scared. And that meant the world to me as a mom to have someone there that could comfort her that actually knew how things went. At that time, I had never had an MRI of my own, but I had sat through every single one of them with her. And so I knew what they were like. Real quick, I just wanted to say the thing I keep being reminded of through these experiences, getting to know people that also had kids with the same condition and stuff and how it was like this family you didn't know about. I keep thinking about Brene Brown's book and she talks about having collective pain and collective joy together and how that bonds people together in a way that nothing else can. And all of a sudden, like you don't even need to know people very well, but all of a sudden it's like, these are my people. Don't mess with them. Like we're together. Right. And that is exactly how I think we feel at those conferences that we go to because we all sit around in circles with doctors that are amazing doctors and we sit there and we discuss and what we're discussing is our child's health and so we are all on the same team it doesn't we don't look at each other as you came from this country or I came from this country or you you know like this kind of candy and I like this kind of or whatever or you this know? belief system you don't believe right. in God you don't you know you just right we're all on the you're same all fighting for your kids the same team yeah and it's amazing to be a part of something like that that's so cool so you said you'd never had an MRI. Yeah, so I'd never had an MRI at that point. Um, so Marin got through that MRI. She did amazing. It was a really, really long MRI. I think it took a total of two and a half hours. And I remember just being, I was sat in there with her while she was doing it. So I watched her do it and I was just so anxious and felt bad for her. So then you fast forward not too long after and I was having my first MRI. I was diagnosed with breast cancer uh, March of 2017, so last year, or February of 2017, sorry. And I was gonna go into my first MRI and you know, us as adults, sometimes we're not quite as uh, brave or strong as kids. <laughs> I truly believe that. So I was pretty anxious about my MRI and it was, really touching when Marin came up to me and she said, mom, you can totally do this. And she talked me through my first MRI. And how old was she? Uh, it was last year. So yeah, she must've been nine. That's incredible. She's had to grow up really fast. Yes, she has. She's very, um, well, I'd say mature for her age, but she still <laughs> has something. <laughs> She's a normal kid. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Which is good. In my very first episode, if you remember, I talk about having two sisters diagnosed with breast cancer. So last episode, we talked to Amy, who instead of talking about breast cancer, she decided to talk about being seen as a mother and about motherhood and about her kids and things like that. And I just think it's really interesting that here on this episode with my other sister who was diagnosed with breast cancer has also chosen to talk about 
her kid and about how people have seen her fighting for her kid. And I think that's amazing. I think it says a lot about both of you and about where we as moms, our hearts really do go first and we're just made to sacrifice for our kids and to fight for our kids. So how have you felt seen by God? Yeah. So I am very religious. Um, I grew up very religious. And so of course God plays into this. He, I have seen his hand in my life so many times through my journey and through my daughter's journey and our journeys together have connected many times. So one example of this was I was living in a tiny town. Actually it's El Centro, California, if you've heard of it. And that I'm saying the name to kind of say hi to all the people there because I miss them. I've moved away and they were amazing in supporting me through um, my journey. Well, your entire breast cancer treatment was while you were living there, right? Right. Um, There was a lot that went into that and they were so supportive and they helped me with all my children. One way that I saw God's hand in my life, Marin was in school and she was having a hard time in school. She was getting sick a lot, sick to the point that she'd be laying on the couch and couldn't do much. And she also had a lot of doctor's appointments. So because she was missing so much school, it was creating a lot of anxiety for both me and Marin and her teacher. A few months before all of that was happening, I had gone to the county fair there nearby. We loved to go to the fair and we would walk around and, you know, watch the different things that went on. And when we were there at the county fair, we had looked at some school paintings that had been done by different schools. And I saw a school that was called a homeschool academy. And I had never thought of homeschooling my children ever. Not that I think it's bad if you do, but that just hadn't been in my uh, list of goals, I guess, or in my thought process. So, but at that time I stood there and looked at all those paintings and there was a lady standing there. And so I asked her if she'd ever heard of the school and lo and behold, it was the principal of the school standing there. And so we got talking and anyway, she gave me her information to contact her if I ever went down that road. Well, so then fast forward to Marin being sick at school and her teacher approached me and said that she thought maybe it would be a good idea for me to homeschool. Just kind of on the side as a mom, she was giving me that kind of advice. That kind of threw me for a loop. I didn't even know the first thing about homeschooling and I felt very alone. I felt like I needed some guidance, but then I remembered this lady that I had met at the fair and that there was a homeschool academy. So I reached out to her and I went over to the school and checked it out to see what it was all about. And they had everything set up to help me through a homeschooling journey. This principal was amazing. She was ready to help Marin, even with the, you know, we set up a 504 plan together. We, she already had one, but we reset it up. She met with me. She was willing to do anything to make Marin's experience a good experience at the school. So Marin would go over to the homeschool um, academy a couple days a week. She didn't have to, but she was able to. And she also got to start dancing with a drill team that they had just started that year. And I don't believe that that was um, just coincidence either. Marin needed things to build her confidence and she needed people to believe in her. The drill team actually was going to march in quite a few parades. And I was very anxious about that because Marin has a hard time walking a long distance. But the school assured me that they would have everything set up, that if she needed to stop, she could ride in the car, she could ride in a wagon, they would make it exciting, she wouldn't be feeling left out and so we tried it and Marin pushed through every single one of those parades and did them it was like a miracle um this principal ended up becoming a a great friend and so then uh watching God's hand 
when I received my breast cancer diagnosis, the principal found out I had taken Marin to school, and the first thing she did was she grabbed me and she told me to come into her office. She started dialing numbers on the phone. I just sat there in the chair across from her, you know, in shock still from my diagnosis. And she started making phone calls, and within a few minutes, she had me on the phone with some of her friends that had also gone through breast cancer there in the area. And they were directing me to the best surgeon, the best doctors that they knew of. There wasn't even really time to wonder which doctor I should go to. I already had all those answers in place. That's unreal. Man, we struggle so much, I think, as a culture to find space to really like mourn with each other and help each other in those situations because it can feel uncomfortable. But for her to just grab you and be like, come in my office and we're just calling these people right now and we're just going to get you the best doctors. I can't imagine how comforting that was. The fact that she was standing by that poster, this principal who then ended up getting you lined up with the best surgeon. Right. Is it the best surgeon in San Diego or... Well, if you ask me, it is. <laughs> I had the best doctors ever, I think, and I feel very, very blessed to have had that. And I would never have known who that doctor was if she hadn't helped guide me in that. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. There's no denying that there's a greater power there than just just coincidence, right? At right. least I don't think so. How have these experiences helped you show compassion for others and connect to others more easily? I do really reach out to, um, or I really feel for those other parents who are dealing with these kinds of things. It is something that is hard to explain to someone else, but it does create that, like we talked about earlier, that common connection. It creates that these are my people feeling. I know when I was going through my treatments, there was, I was sitting and waiting. Um, it was actually through radiation. And so through radiation, I had to go in the same time every day. And so I was able to kind of see the same people every day. And there was a mom there that had a daughter with her that was needing radiation for a brain tumor. And as soon as I saw her, I went straight over to her and I told her, I know what you're doing right now because I have a daughter that I have to go to lots of appointments with. I gave her a hug and I just sat with her and talked to her and listened to her. Something that I've realized through the years is that I wasn't always this way, but I have come to the point where I'm not scared anymore to approach people that are dealing with really hard things. Um, I think that takes a lot. I think it takes a lot of growing to come to that point. I'm thankful for the fact that I've had the experiences I've had because I'm able to do that. I'm able to go up to somebody who is with their kid and understand kind of where they're coming from. doesn't mean I handle everything perfectly. It's um, amazing to be able to be part of those sacred journeys that they're going through. It kind of reminds me actually of a time when I went to a funeral with my husband. And if you know my husband, he usually doesn't like being in super serious situations. That's not always comfortable for him, which probably a lot of people can relate to, right? But so he came with me to this funeral of a friend of mine from high school that he had met, but he didn't know super well. And afterwards, my friend had, he lost his wife to cancer and he had a couple little kids and it was just a really heart-wrenching situation. Afterwards, we went and talked to him for just a couple minutes. And I wouldn't blame my husband if he were to kind of stand back and just kind of let me, you know, do the talking or whatnot. But I saw my husband, this man who doesn't love crying in front of people, who doesn't always love being stuck in super serious situations and uncomfortable times. I saw him just grab my friend that he didn't know very well and just hug him and cry his eyes out and tell him how sorry he was. And I thought about how 
that took some bravery on his part and how I was really proud of him for seeing my friend in that moment, even though I know, because I know him so well, that that is super uncomfortable for him, but he still did it because it is important that we learn how to suffer together. Uh, Brene Brown, she calls it collective pain and collective joy, where we are able to feel pain with even strangers. And I really do believe that that can change the world and it can save lives. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have any final thoughts for us just about how compassion and connection have helped you in your journey with Marin through Louise Diet syndrome and obviously your own diagnosis? Well, I just think compassion and connection are so important. It's so important for healing, you know, for your mental well-being, for emotional well-being to help people um, heal. I know like it doesn't stop at just, you know, I talked about friends that I've made, but also I have those connections with doctors across the country and with their, the people helping them. And I know those connections also bring me much comfort and gratitude. I just think in any way possible, we should take our experiences that we have in it. We each have different experiences and the experiences that we have in our own lives, we should take those and try to help somebody else that may be struggling with those same things. Thank you. I know I feel a little bit better equipped to see children that have a physical illness like this. And I hope that anybody that has a child with Louis Dietz syndrome out there feels like they have advocates I hope they know that we're on their team and I'm grateful that more and more awareness is coming about this condition so we can better support our kids and kids with any illness for that matter. Jen, thank you for coming on. This has been great. Yeah, it's I'm great. a fan of you. I'm a fan of you coming Big and visiting. Sister, yes. <laughs> well, the time is here. Let's go ahead and welcome our super secret special guest to end our episode. Here is Miss Marin Bain. Hi, Marin. Hi, Julie. How are you? I'm good. Good. Marin, tell us how old you are. I'm 10 years old. You're 10 years old. What do you like to do? I like to dance and read. I like to read too. I like to dance too. I don't know if I'm as good as you though. Can you tell us a little bit what is it like to have Louise Dietz syndrome? It's different. I mean, you have to take medicine every day and night and go to the doctor a lot but you still like to do what other kids do. If you met another kid or you knew another kid listening to this that just found out they have Louise Dietz syndrome and they're kind of scared because they don't know what it is, what would you tell them? What advice would you give them? That it's not that hard because really all you have to do is take medicine and go to doctors. What can other people do to help you feel seen? My teachers at PE, they tell me I just do what I can and then, like, don't do what I can't. Yeah. Has your mom helped you feel seen? Yeah. What does your mom do to help you? She lets me participate in things. You think she loves you? Mm-hmm. I know she loves you. All right. There's not a better way to end episode four than with Miss Marin Bain. I will see you all next week for another episode of I See You. Love you all. Send me a message or comment on Apple, Stitcher, or my website, www.julieleespeaks, or any other app for the podcast. We will see you later. See you next time, and I see you.